Welcome to Connex, a global leadership platform for construction executives. Today I have Jeff Campbell on the phone. He's the director of pre-construction at uh, Cleveland Construction. Um, hey Jeff, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing wonderful. Got a beautiful day here in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, well, I, I don't know if there's anything such a thing as a beautiful day in Cleveland, but I'll take your word for it, you know, so uh, maybe in Lexington, but not in Cleveland. No, but uh, <laughs> but uh, um, I'm sure you guys have never heard that before. No, um, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so uh, Jeff, tell us a little bit about you as a, you know, you as a person and then tell us a little bit about Cleveland construction. So. Did you grow up uh, in Cleveland? I did not. I have I have a bit of a unique story. Uh, I don't know that I can say I grew up in any one place long enough. Uh, my dad uh, kept getting promoted as a, in his career path, uh, which I just kind of went along for the ride as, as a kid. So I'm actually Canadian originally and mm -hmm. have gone everywhere from uh, – where I was born to California, to New Jersey, to Connecticut. Uh, after college, I then was off on my own and I started my career in Florida, uh, which is where I spent the bulk of my working life and uh, spent the last seven years here in Cleveland, Ohio with Cleveland Construction. So a bit of a wow. unique background in, in uh, not too many people move to Cleveland. I get given a hard time pretty regularly especially from Florida to move from Florida to Cleveland, but uh, it came down to uh, just wanting a family and wanting to raise a family near an extended family. And my wife, uh, we have a beautiful family here and a big support system. So I ended up uh, here in Cleveland. So, um, uh, you know, you don't mind me asking, what'd your dad do for 11? Was he in the military? He was in property insurance uh, and not property. Oh, okay. Think of in the housing sector, but private you know, like uh, Major League Baseball stadiums and wood plants up in Northern Canada and you name it, they pretty much insured it. Oh, Which wow. wow. Okay. In, it's how we ended up eventually in Hartford, Connecticut, because at the time that was the insurance capital of the world. So, uh, ah, OK, yeah. interesting, interesting. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about Cleveland Construction. Sure. Um, so prior, I, I was working for a global entity, uh, Lendlease, which was Bovis Lendlease. And um, I mentioned the family component there and, and really just wanted to, to be home more and start a family and uh, met the owners of our company uh, golfing, coincidentally, uh, while I was up here visiting uh, family with my wife. And hey, it just one thing led to another. And I think two weeks later, I accepted a position here at Cleveland. Uh, family-owned company, family-operated, uh, you know, the, the the sons that were part of the founding of the company 40 years ago are, are still running the company, and I just saw value in that. I would be treated more as a person than a, than a number and was quick to jump on knowing what they were working on here locally and, and the fact that they also kind of worked nationally, at least on the East Coast, uh, was appealing, and they were giving me a pretty good opportunity to get into uh, historical adaptive reuse, which is, a, is, is probably about 50% of our, our workload is converting some of these big office buildings in, in the Midwestern cities into to multifamily apartments. So um, kind of been on for the ride ever since and, and have had the opportunity to really grow within, uh, you know, coming on board as a project manager a, a, about seven years ago today, actually. Today is my <laughs> anniversary, so that's kind of unique. Um, moved up from project manager to pre-construction manager, uh, got into some business development in the last year, director of uh, pre-construction for, for the company. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, you said something interesting. I want to dig in a little bit more. Uh, I always find it interesting since I'm a, I own my own business and uh, I know I, I want to track to talent like you to my company. And I'm always concerned that, Hey, the, a big corporation is more attractive for an employee. And so t- tell me a little bit about that. You, 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 you mentioned it was more, you know, you, you, you wouldn't get lost in the numbers kind of thing, or you're part of a family, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, well, I can step back a little bit. I guess I kind of breezed over my moving around a bit, but I, you know, I actually started my career on the civil side of things in highway construction down in Florida, uh, more representing the state, uh, working for HNTB, which is a large design team, uh, quickly, quickly learned, uh, and that was a big global entity as well, quickly learned that I was going to be better suited managing people uh, and less the process in the field. And, um, you know, within the first four or five years of my career, kind of wanted to switch over. I uh, didn't want to be a consultant or an engineer, even though I had an engineering background. I wanted to work for a contractor and I wanted to, I didn't want to be the, not that not that every piece of the puzzle is not equally as important, but I wanted to be the guy delivering the, the product, not the piece maybe doing some of the engineering or some of the testing or whatever else that was going on uh, where I started my career. So ended up at Lend Lease with an opportunity to work for them on their hospitality sector nationally. But I think I was hired on as employee. I can't even remember my number, but it was like 19,545. Uh, clearly a large company. And that did have its benefits, uh, especially as a, as a young growing uh, individual in, in a career. And, and it allowed for uh, the resources to grow and to really do training and cross training. And if something that was slow in one sector, they'd, they'd throw you in another. So there was always kind of that ability to, to bounce around without maybe necessarily having to change companies. Um, yeah. So that, that, was, that was appealing. Um, however, you know, that led to a lot of travel, uh, a ton of travel, um, just to the point where I had to kind of decide whether our family was going to be more important to me or, or the travel for, uh, what I was doing at that previous employer. And I was growing there and really enjoyed it. Uh, really only left for personal reasons to, to be able to settle down and uh, moving over to a family uh, oriented company. Uh, you know, if I needed to do something while my wife was praying, like go do it, that's more important. The, the, the job can wait. And that kind of meant a lot to me. Um, so yeah, I definitely took kind of a, an opposite stance there where I, you know, downsizing, going to a family oriented company was was really important to me. and. The downsizing, but we're still a mid-size. You know, we do about four hundred million dollars annually, so we're we're decent. We're we're, not, we're definitely. Not, we're <laughs> I was gonna say that's that's not small. You know, no. so um, yeah. Uh, so, um, well, that's interesting because I think a, a lot of people when they come out of school, um, they think that bigger is better sometimes, but you got to find what works for you. You know. Yeah, and it, it, everyone's different, and um, you know if I can give the, the younger generation advice that I probably missed out on uh, 20 plus years ago is try to get into co-ops, try to get, uh, you know, I, I listen to a bunch of different executives on your podcast. I listen to pre-construction podcasts and it's trying to just expose yourself to, to different situations, uh, whether it's in high school or, or in college that allow you to really kind of learn what, what you may or may not like. Um, it's one thing, uh, you know, our company here, Cleveland Construction, does very well, uh, just from my vantage point, is the co-op program. 
we might have a, you know, last year I had an estimating co-op come in and at the end of the summer, he didn't want to be an estimator and he goes, I want to work in the field. So this past summer, he was a co-op in the field and today he's a full-time employee for us out on a project. Um, oh, okay. No better way, no way to figure that out uh, with some hands-on experience. Well, you know, uh, all I got to say is that what you said is what most kids think they want until it gets cold outside. <laughs> it's a little more comfortable doing an estimate than it is being on the job site, you know, but, uh, but, uh, uh, so tell us about Cleveland, what the core focus of Cleveland construction is. Sure. Uh, it, it is, it's taken a quite a turn in the last decade, uh, for sure. So, uh, you know, we had a father and four sons start a carpentry company in their garage, uh, 41 years ago now. And, um, that kind of grew, uh, here locally, just in the, picking up jobs and then starting to, to actually run the jobs and at some point in the 80s they got tied into walmart and uh, all of a sudden went from this little you know outfit uh here locally to cleveland to building walmarts nationally um we did over five billion square feet of walmarts uh you know wow. during that boom um so we went from a you know <laughs> $20,000 a year type of company early on to quickly doing 300 million uh, a, a year. Um, and somehow they ramped up and handled it uh, quickly. Um, in all of that time, uh, halfway through that process, they they uh, decided to open an interiors division, um, division nine metal stud and uh, drywall company. It's actually based out of Cincinnati. Bears the same name, but uh, it, it does large work now nationally. And um, no, you know, I'll give it to our owners for 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 having the wherewithal through all that growth to to know that that was going to stop at some point. And uh, about 15 years ago or so, started to diversify and uh, you know bought their own building and developed it into a mixed-use condo, hotel, restaurant building. That led to some new opportunities in multifamily and hospitality. While that was going on here locally in Cleveland, um, uh, an owner had a contractor walk the day they were supposed to mobilize, reach out to us, ask if we could bond 40 million. We could, we mobilized the next day and that got us into the adaptive reuse market. That is now a big part of our our portfolio. And, and I mean, that's just for a company that's only 40 years old, this, that's only happened in the last 15. And, and now, now we don't build any box box retail or, or, or industrial type stuff. We're, we're primarily in the multifamily and hospitality sectors. You know, it's so interesting. It just shows you how being a chameleon to the market is so important. You know, uh, I mean, today you may be building the big box and then tomorrow you may be doing one-offs, you know? So, uh, uh, that's that's really, really interesting, uh, especially in one company to have that kind of uh, diversity of projects you know you normally you see that of a company that's much larger than you guys you know not that you guys aren't small but but i mean you're talking billion dollar corporations you know so um so how do you guys you know speaking to that point you know how are you guys preparing uh for the future like you know you do you do you, I know I look at the Dodge reports and different things to get a feel for what's happening in the future or get a pulse for what's happening in the future. How do you guys, you know, go about that? What's your, what's your thought process there? Yeah. I mean, obviously that's one useful tool. Uh, I, I, 
living in the world I live in as director of pre-con, that's, that's one of my roles is to, is a client development rolls up uh, to me through, through our various offices. And, and, you know, we're not just Cleveland uh, based, uh, it's our headquarters, but we're, we have large office in Charlotte, a couple offices in Florida, Cincinnati's a big market. And then uh, the little one off in Virginia that feeds mm-hmm. the, the DC type work. So all, all that kind of stuff. So we're always keeping our eye out, but you know, we've really gotten to a point where a lot of what we do, uh, we, we don't hard bid anymore. Uh, occasionally, if we're chasing, maybe, you know, we do some public work. Um, we may hard bid, but it's it's a one-off that we feel we would be very competitive at where, you know, it's a price point, it's a scale, it's a location where maybe there's a couple GCs and that's it. Um, but we're really relationship driven. And that's where I spent most of my time. I mean, there are, I know, I'm sure you've interviewed a, a, endless amount of contractors at this point so they're, they're they're readily available we all we all deliver the same thing at the end of the day so so why is it that, that someone really wants to work with 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 you versus me and it's it's really the relationship i mean yes you have to deliver the project and you have to maintain some budget and some schedule but it's it is this owner who's about to invest millions of dollars comfortable with you and your team and and can that relationship continue on afterwards and I think that's where what I see happening more now than ever. Our company was a 100% hard bid company 10 years ago. And right now in our backlog of 400 million, I don't, none of that's hard bid. It's all negotiated in the relationship through, through the pre-construction process, through meeting, uh, you know, COVID was a wrinkle where we couldn't get together in person, but I think a lot uh, uh, there's a lot of value in the face-to-face. Um, I see it all coming back. You know, we're going to Chicago to interview for a project in a couple of weeks that's in Raleigh. And they were adamant about sitting down, shaking hands, and just getting to know one another. And that was their main point. You know, the budget mattered, the team mattered, but it was just, would the teams gel in person? Because mm-hmm. uh, you're going down a two, three-year path on some of these projects longer if you count the pre-construction phase. And <laughs> at the end of the day, you got to like the person. Um, well, it's so, it's funny, funny, you know, when I taught at university, I, you know, it, technology has helped communication, but hurt it, you know, and, uh, and, and, and obviously you recognize that by, uh, you know, personal relationships. And that's, that's how you're good contractors, because you just do a good job and you get those opportunities. Right. And, and that's, you know, we're, we're so to, to, to really answer the initial question, just that, that that's where we're heavily focused on is, is repeat work. You know, we're asking existing clients kind of what's in their pipeline or what they're shifting towards, or maybe using, uh, you know, we have kind of a monumental project that we started in, in Cincinnati and it's it's a very sizable adaptive reuse of a very well-known building there. And, and just that alone is getting us some calls in. How did you get this to go? How did you make the numbers work during what's a crazy time? How did you close on this? What were some of the things you did, you know, creatively during pre-con to make the numbers work? You know, what what were some of the trade partners? How did you get them on board? Um, you know, I'm actually on a panel next week discussing how we got participation across the board from a you know minority perspective, and just it's just a it takes some team and a monumental effort these days to get jobs to construction. <laughs> You know, and, and so I think that's where we kind of see, uh, we even see now the public sector, not that we do a ton of that work, but they're they're reaching out and asking about things earlier on 
and and how they can kind of streamline the, the the process so tell us a little bit about um and since you're involved in in a lot with strategy related to like what you go after what you look at that kind of thing tell us a little bit about any kind of events that have occurred any kind of significant events that kind of you, you touched a little bit on them how you you know um it seemed to me that it's been cl client based say somebody wanted to bring you in the client or you see an opportunity over here and you pivot that way is there any significant event that that jumps out at you since you've been there that has shaped the the way you guys bid and what you do every day um you know that's a great question i'm trying to think if there was a specific event um you know big picture i think that the industry you know i spend a lot of time talking to to colleagues on the pre-construction side of, of our world uh there's a there's a large conference every year i attend and i think part of it's just this the nature of the industry shifting mm -hmm. um it was happening pre-covid um and i hate to use COVID as, a, as an event um but maybe it's the aftermath of COVID and what we're dealing with today in escalation and material challenges that more so now than ever, we are being asked to really make and control a lot of the decisions during design because they can't wait until construction starts. Um, so I, I, I think that was a significant event in how we operate and, and really I think how the industry is operating and, and really contractors that have positioned themselves in a place where they can offer that help during the front end and, and you know whether it's they have the equity to buy a bunch of material and store it in their own warehouse, which is something we do, or it's hey, because we have enough work, we can switch a system type on the fly and, and move material to a different project to maintain schedule. Um, that stuff goes a long way right now. You know, getting a project done is worth money to owners and they, they, they are really, you know, we've, you know, pat ourselves on the back here, but we've done a great job and had no hiccups throughout that process and have actually delivered projects early and it's uh, it's it's gaining a lot of traction for us just by being able to talk through that stuff with various clients, whether it be a hospitality project or uh, one of these a challenging adaptive reuse that you know every other day there's an unknown. Um, so yeah, I think I could chalk a lot up to what's gone on with with using COVID as a as a big event. Yeah, and you know the uh, oh, well, I hope we're not on the precipice of another big event <laughs> called the recession. But <laughs> if we're not already in it, but uh, uh, the the uh, the interesting thing about it when I hear you talk about that, it's what I look for when I look for an employee. It's resourcefulness, you know, and having that resourcefulness to to do the due diligence is bringing value now it's tough to find people the hard thing is is that it's that's not an easy thing to to find either you know contractors people any somebody's resourceful right i mean the, the finding people thing's a whole nother industry challenge right i think recently i saw or read that we're still what five or six hundred thousand uh people shy short of what the demand is in the construction industry everything from a, a you know a labor up to an executive position um that that in itself presents a challenge for all of us in this industry on, on 
keeping to any schedule or any budget for any of these projects that are ongoing and uh you know use the bad word recession but it, you know it, whether it's here or coming you know the, the backlog in our world right now is is wild and then there's really no end in sight because people need housing and there's not enough yeah. of it. people can't buy single family homes with the mortgage rates the way they are then they're going to have to continue to rent and we don't have enough apartments to rent so uh, they're going to have to continue on um in, in most markets well you know you, you said something interesting i want to get your opinion on uh kind of like uh, you know i've sat through a, many sessions with a, agc or at different summer you know different conferences about the lack of skilled trades, the lack of people in construction. Do you have any thought process around, and I'll give you one that that I, I went to, it talked about uh, prefabrication being, you know, the next big thing in construction or automation. Do you have any thoughts or feelings about where you think it's gonna go if we don't <laughs> or do it, do something about this? Yeah, no, it's that's, that's an interesting topic for sure. That's really been, front and center for me for probably the last five or six years is just finding creative ways to prefabricate or um, modulize, you know, type things. I just, I just got back from the lodging conference out in Arizona and sat in on, uh, you know, that's hotel owners, operator, everything in the hotel world's there and, and sat in at a development and construction session and halfway into it came up modular construction. And you know, on the surface, on paper, everything looks feasible. And, and why are we not pushing for that more? And how come it doesn't make sense more? You know, and, and the team that was on the panel, you know, had done a project with it. And um, I, I think it's coming. It's been out there. It's been talked about for years. Um, and until it becomes the more economical solution, I think that's the biggest holdup. Um, it's still not the most efficient as building the project in the field, which, you know, is mind boggling, right? You would think if you put something in a controlled environment, uh, you know, especially thinking of Cleveland, you know, we already started the conversation with uh, with our poor weather here, um, just able to take a crew and put them in a in a conditioned warehouse and, and they're building 200 units in there over the course of six months. And those units just hit a truck, drive out to a site and, and get flown right in place. It sounds wonderful. I'd love to make that make sense uh, for an owner, um, you know. But a lot has to happen for for that to to really align. A lot of firms. It seems to be overseas more common, and I think we'll start seeing it more common because we're we're going to need to solve for the labor challenge, right? We're not. It's not going to go away, and we're not going to find half a million people in the next six months to just start showing up on these job sites. Um, and we're going to have to get creative and, and maybe it's modular construction. Maybe it's a bit more prefabricated. You know, I know um, we're just wrapping up a large multifamily project on the east side of Cleveland and we went and panelized uh, the 10 story structure and we panelized it in Columbus. So all done inside, uh, sped up the process a bit and flew all the panels um, out in the field right through winter. Um, so, you know, it's just getting creative with that type of solution. Um, you know, we've gone down, there's a company that, that just modulized bathrooms. You know, I think there, we've, we as an industry really have to start evaluating that, that a bit more. Uh, it's just still just inching its way into the industry. But if you ask someone, have they done it? An architect, have they done it? 
the answer is typically no. And what does it cost? And no one can really wrap their brain around how to do it. But we've got to find some some solution for sure. Uh, you know, less and less people are going into the trades. You know, and that and that 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 could be its own topic. How to get more individuals to to get working out the field. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, 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 interesting thoughts there for sure. Uh, what do you? Let's talk about you as an individual. What do you think personally, skills and abilities wise, has helped you in your career and helped you in business? Certainly, um, you know, personality first and foremost. Uh, I think my ability to communicate with with really everyone. Um, you know, I could I can get put in a room or you know in a meeting or on a golf course, and you know, within a within a fairly short time, we'll connect with an individual uh, and, and find something to connect with them on, you know, whether it's a, a sport or a hobby or family or something. And I, and I think my ability throughout my career to establish relationships has really gotten me to the position I'm, I'm at. I mean, I still talk to bosses from when I was 21 years old of just getting started and they recommend, you know, connect the dots as I've moved throughout my career. Um, the other, and this sounds really simple, you would think, is just work ethic. Uh, I don't chalk myself up as the smartest individual. Uh, you know, I, I do have an engineering degree, which takes a little bit of, uh, you know, ability there, but I, I, I just work hard. Um, I, I work harder than most, and that's allowed me to move into a position that's uh, afforded me to grow within a company and become an executive. Um, I, I just work hard and uh, I, I see a lot of, you know, I have a nephew and, and that's the message I give them is like, you know, I see a lot of laziness. I said, all you have to do is work hard. You'll, you'll, you'll be ahead of the, the average population if you just work hard. Um, and then, least, you know, it's, it seems to me sometimes that some people spend up, end up spending a lot more time trying to figure a way to do it easier, you know, uh, yeah. than just getting it done. Yep. Agreed. Um, so really, those those two things have put me in a position. Uh, you know, obviously, you have to have the skill set, but that that to me is not learned in college. That's that's something you learn through experience. And you know, you know, I got eyes wide open to the construction world when I got to widen I four. You know, through Lakeland, Florida. Holy hell, this is fun. This is huge. We're building seven bridges. Now I love construction. And and then it's like, all right, let me learn about foundations. And I got into foundations for a while and was able to go to New Orleans and help rebuild uh, post Katrina with with a bunch of the deep foundation work that had to go on to support these structures and then then it led to all right I'm really good with people or at least I felt I was and let me manage people and that's what got me into more of the project management side of 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 the projects and you know just I do love the construction industry so it kind of has to start there I mean it, you know there isn't a boring day. I'm sure you can attest to that, Scott. Like never, no two days are alike in the world. Either. <laughs> that's what I love about construction, but that's what I hate about construction. Right. right. So. Yeah. <laughs> even, even if you're building, you know, some, I hate to use the word term, so I don't think there's a simple project. They all have unique challenges, whether it's a site, whether you're throwing a curveball, whether the design teams change, the owners change, like every day is different, unique. It's exciting. Uh, you know, there's definitely days you just want to pound your head against the wall. And then there's, there's the rewarding days where, uh, you know, you see a finished product and, and kind of forget about all the things that got you to that finished product. Um, you know, we had one of those moments the other day, um, you know, in, in the, in 
the Midwest and in the Cleveland, you don't see a ton of new high-rise construction like you do in the Charlottes or Florida or you know your major cities. So you're not really seeing a ton of tower cranes. Um, you know, we for various reasons worked all throughout the country up until 12 years ago, and then got our first project in Cleveland. Even though we were Cleveland-based, we were not working in Cleveland, so that does sound pretty wild. Um, got our opportunity to start making a footprint in the city. Well, uh, you know, through a lot of effort and work over the last 18 months, uh, 24 months, just here in August, we stood up our first tower crane in Cleveland. And um, our marketing director had a drone go out there a couple weeks ago and he, and he sent it over and, and there was a, you know, a video and some snapshots. And then we have like a Cleveland construction logo. So at night you can see it as you're driving through the city and with the guardians making the playoffs here, we'll probably see it on national television because we're right by there. And it, it just was one of those things that kind of gave you chills. And it's like, well, this is what we do all this for. This is pretty cool. We take pride, uh, you know, in, in who we work for and what we're building. And it, it was just kind of a neat experience. So it's not even the end of a project because that was, <laughs> we're still at the beginning when you're just putting a tower crane up, but um, knowing what it took to get to that point, uh, it was kind of a, a neat. Oh, point. that's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. I, I, uh, uh, I always find it interesting to our jobs just in general, because it, it's always something, there's always something new and exciting there. Oh yeah. Oh, um, adaptive reuse in Cincinnati. And I was just there last week. Um, and they're, I don't know, seven, it's 31 stories and about seven stories now demoed and, and as much pre-planning and exploring and everything that you could do during design of an existing building and trying to, you know, open little walls to see things. It, I was still blown away walking just the seven floors the other day and be like, did had no idea that was there. Had no idea that transfer beam was in there. Neither did the design team. Um, just some, some really fun stuff you get, you know, we found like a, elevated floor that showed up nowhere that, that's in the way of what, what's supposed to be tenant storage lockers. And now we're like, well, you can't, it's six, six feet off the floor. What are we, what are we doing here? Um, so it's, it's that kind of stuff that's fun when you're walking a, a job site for sure. Wow. Um, so let's uh, go to my favorite question here before we go to the speed rounds. Um, if you, you know, if you go back and talk to 18 year old Jeff and you say, uh, Jeff Campbell, what would you uh, tell him, uh, yourself, both personally and professionally, advice? Wow, that is a very good question. Personally, because, yeah. Don't go and estimate? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I've done both. So I've, I've gotten both sides of our industry. And to be honest with you, I think both have been, you know, I, I've landed through trial and error where I belong for sure. Just that, you know, I'm a numbers guy and, and having the ability to do all the numbers and also speak to the developers as a unique uh, skill set that, that not many have. So, so I've, I've kind of landed through trial and error in where I, where I feel I should be, but uh, my 18 year old self from a personal standpoint would be, um, you know, and I think I lost some years in there. It's just, meet as many people as you can um you know you never know who you talk to uh, you know in line at a restaurant or on an airplane or whomever uh you know it's 
the more people you interact with, uh, I feel the, the the better you become as an individual. And I, I think I lost a, a bunch of years in there before I kind of got that and that communicating with with people was it was a great way to grow. Um, what about professionally? Professionally, uh, I think I alluded to it earlier. I um, wish I got more involved through college in co-oping, really understanding where I wanted to be. Um, I lost probably a few years of my career by just literally after college, putting my stuff in my truck and driving to Florida with no plan. Um, goofed off, golfed around, golfed on some mini tours and happened to fall into highway construction. Uh, I had a mechanical engineering degree um, and I'm not indicating that any everyone needs to know their path, uh, things change, but if, if I wish I had gotten a bit more involved outside of college through that time frame and even if i wasn't in college just getting more involved in learning about different industries uh you know i kind of i did my my college and did my classes but that didn't give me any real world experiences um so wish i could have gone back and, and probably spent more time really kind of getting out there I, I, uh, you know, it's tough. It's, it's tough sometimes. You get you get focused on the end goal rather than the process, and the purpose is the process. You know, right? So, exactly. Um, you kind of want to. You know, I was in the mindset: get me in and out of college as, as quickly as you can. Um, our engineering program was supposed to take four and a half years, and I wanted to be done in four, so I jammed up my classes, and I didn't. You know, and I played a sport, so I, I just I didn't get myself out there. And, and to your point become part of the process. Uh, and I, I think it cost me the first few years of my career as far as, you know, really getting going. Some great advice there. So let's move on to the speed round. The speed round is eight different categories. Uh, they rate from one to 10, 10 being the most important and one being the least important. And they can all be a 10. So uh, I will throw a topic out there. You give me a number and explain your number. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Scheduling. 10. Um, living this right now, um, a lot of things, and I'll, it's two, two answers here. Scheduling at the front end is important to getting the duration right. Uh, but scheduling, meaning actually finishing a job on schedule, is almost more important than many other things that happen within a project. Uh, because at the end of the day, you have an investor and a developer that want to get money in, in, in return for their investment. And the quicker you get, um, it's not a new term, but heads and beds, uh, you know, the better. Um, even if there's some change orders or additional cost, uh, we're finding that, that our repeat work is coming from the jobs we finish on time or early. So yes, attempt. Yes, absolutely. And that's a tough thing because that's a moving target, you know, a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. There's there's no perfect weather anywhere, uh, at least in the in the markets we work to, to not have some delays in the schedule from a weather perspective. Uh the next one near and dear to your heart, estimating. Whew. Um depends on I guess if you're rolling everything into estimating hard for me not to say 10 it sets the job up, um, you know, in, in all role, pre-con, budgeting, logistics, even the scheduling, 
into that estimating process because that's kind of what our entire team that's sitting around me is doing. It's not just literally taking a plan and putting a number to it. There's all the pieces um, that come together uh, to really set up the job. Um, and really why I'm making it a 10 is because it's it's where we minimize the risk for everyone. I mean, that's, that's what we are. We're, we're construction managers at risk uh, is what our industry, it, we are at Cleveland Construction and, and we're trying to manage the risk of an owner and, and ultimately minimize the risk for us. And that all happens before the job starts in estimating. The so next two categories, one is contracts and one's contract administration. Contracts meaning the paper <laughs> contract, contract administration means actually executing that contract. So contracts and contract administration. Um, it's important. I'm not going to go with a 10. It's my least favorite part of our industry. I, I hate when we have to rely on them. So maybe I'll go with an eight. Um, you know, in a perfect world, you get the, the, the contra, you know, let's say owner contractor, you know, it's not fun to go through, you get out of the way and, and you hope at the end of the project, no one even talked about it. Um, so that, that's where I view, view contract is let, let's, we need it, we have it, but let's never talk about it again after we sign it. Um, you know, our president would disagree with me and say 10, he spends a lot of time going through the verbiage, protecting us as best as possible, protecting the client as best as possible, um, and, and getting it executed uh, as early on in the process is critical for those folks. And, and then, you know, flip side with our subcontractors, um, it's important. It, it is important there. You've got to get that in place. You, you got to, you got to get something tied to their, to their scope and, and to the project and, and before you get them going, you know, I think you see a lot of times, uh, you know, and I think we can even fault us for doing this, you know, a few handful of times is, is giving out a notice to proceed, which is authorizing a sub to start, but then the contract taking, let's call it eight weeks to get put in place and something mm -hmm. happened in eight weeks that shouldn't have, that contract should have been in place. So, so you know, from an administrative standpoint, getting them in place, it, it is critical that they get taken care of right away. Um, you know, you, this, unfortunately, you know, there's, there's really no perfect construction projects. And at, at some point, uh, if, you, if you're in the construction world, there's the, the contract's going to need to be enforced, whether it's with the owner or with the subcontractor. So, um, design, design, you can get me going on this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, we have a lot of great relationships with architects, so I'll start there and, and I, and they're battling the same challenges from a labor's perspective that the construction industry is. And, they're being asked to turn around documents quicker with less people, you know, what, what are the expectations when that's the case, right? Um, so it, it, I think it's critical. We've had a lot of challenges, so, so 10 to me, uh, we've had a lot of challenges in recent years with incomplete detail, incomplete information. We're being told these are bid ready to get the subs and then there's all this back and forth and then you gotta go back and redraw and value. A lot of waste of time. And, and what's that time cost the developer? Money. His job didn't start. So now his job starting six months later, which means it's turning over six months later. Um, actually speak 
quite a bit about this because um, like, like I started, we, we have great relationships with design teams. So how can we partner more? How can we get creative to help through that process to help avoid some of those delays? Um, so we are seeing a lot more design build opportunities. Um, we're seeing a lot more or, or we're pushing for them or we're pushing owners like, hey, are you interviewing your architect? Like interview us, like let's, let's start together. Um, you know, good example we have going on right now, we have a large hotel in Florida where we brought in at the same time. Well, we, we just work through those details uh, on Teams calls and not, they haven't even got to documents. Like it's, hey, Cleveland Construction, how did you do this on the project next door? And we walk through it and it's like, okay, great. We just saved ourselves time. Let's get that on the documents. End of story, move on. And a lot of that is, is what we're trying to push for because there's been too much of the design, then evaluate, then go back, and just a lot of time and, and money is, is wasted. Um, and, and, I, and I know the design teams are facing the same challenges. So how could we as an industry get creative and, and you know, helping the process? Sure. Well, and I see that's interesting. You you say that because it's supposed to be a speed round, but uh, you know that's that's the end game is how we can we all get it work together. Right. So. Yes, yeah, sir. I'm not being speedy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no problem, no problem. Accounting. Um. Yeah, I I'm not very involved in it, so I for me it's a five, I guess. But uh, getting getting subs paid is important. Um, we have gotten creative on um, on just in recent time of getting people paid quicker or bi-weekly or whatever, because um, not just for maybe the ongoing project, but it, it's it's tough to find qualified subs right now. Uh, you know, we're dealing with the labor shortage as we've already talked about. and you know, some of these subs in different markets can, can really pick who they work for. Well, if contractor A is taking 60 days to pay or contractor B is paying every other week, you know, they're gonna probably pick contractor B. So um, yeah, on the accounting side, we've gotten creative on, on how to streamline some of that process just so we can keep cash flow going to some of these subs, which really, you know, our, our industry is backwards and that could be a whole separate conversation, but you've got a subcontractor who technically works for a month, month and a half, spending his own money before he ever sees his first check. Um, mm -hmm. You know, wild. Uh, so, so yeah, it becomes pretty important. Uh, and just, you know, obviously it's important that we build clients timely and for the work in place and that that's all covered. Well, you know? that that's interesting. Uh, uh, pay terms as a competitive advantage. I never thought we'd actually be there because there's so many other things, but it sounds like in a lot of ways we are getting there. Yeah. Um, it, there's more factors, you know, if, if, if the contractor, you know, if the subcontractor had a good experience with this contract and bad with this, he's going to lean towards the one he had a good experience, but we're seeing some of the, the, the pay structure affect that too now. Uh, business development or sales, whatever you want to call it. Ten, <laughs> just because I, I I lead those efforts. Um, you know, it, it, the the biggest challenge uh, you know we face is it's it's not a one person job or or maybe a you know a team of business developers for a company. It's it's 
the PM in the field, the super in the field, uh, the guy running the buck hoist, uh, the cleanliness of a job. So it's it's really trying to, to get an, an entire company understanding or, or industry understanding that the, the business development and sales is, is it feeds for everybody. And, uh, you know, when we take, we take pride in the work, in our work. And um, when I walk a developer through, they're not contractors to most of them. They're not building buildings. You know, their comments after walking a building was like, that looked clean. That was going well. Like they, we could have been eight months behind. <laughs> they wouldn't have known that other than the job was clean. Right. So it's, it's kind of those little things, uh, you know, from job cleanliness to the interaction of field staff, um, you know, to obviously the direct business development role and and touching individuals. Um, I, I obviously live in that world and spend a lot of time talking to different developers. And and you want to you want to be able to it's can't just sell Jeff Campbell. They want they got to want to work construction. So they they want to know hey well why how'd you complete that job on time or what, what were some challenges on that job over there that that you could avoid over here. Um, you know and and coming from a company that was traditionally a hard bid company, there wasn't much sales needed. Um, where now it's completely opposite. Um, you know, every job is a relationship and, and requires a, a whole lot of massaging through pre-construction to, to end in a contract. Um, and then the last but not least, leadership. Uh, 11. Um, none of the other things we've talked about in this speed round really, really work in, without proper leadership. Um, our president is the first employee of the company, so he's been here 41 years. Um, mm -hmm. And you got a leader like that who not only takes pride in what the company's become of, but in his people, uh, you get others to follow. Um, you know, uh, it, we as a company uh, over the last couple of years have taken a select few uh, individuals that they felt would grow within. They like to promote within and, and have sent us to leadership training. Um, so as a company, we value the importance of of, of that. And, and, and a leadership isn't necessarily someone like myself in an executive role. It's a PM in the field leading a project. Um, it could be the field superintendent leading a staff of, of other superintendents. And um, if, if you can't lead, uh, who are you going to get to follow? Um, you know, you really, you, you've got a challenging industry with subcontractors. And if, if you don't have good field leadership, then they're going to do what they want. Um, in our company, I will uh, give them praise for, for kind of really over the last few years, spending a lot of time getting getting those people uh, in front of leaders, industry leaders, and not just internally. Um, you know, actually sitting today and here in a little bit, I'll be headed to a seminar. Um, we do biannual seminars uh, where we get everyone from across the company into, into our headquarters, uh, you know, in two sessions. Can't take everyone out of, out of the project roles at, at mm -hmm. once. And, you know, we have a, a guy uh, Andy, who's come in from Raleigh, uh, who's a main leader in the industry, to come speak to everybody this afternoon for like two hours. Um, you know, because I think it's important that it, yeah, you need your leaders in a company, but I think everyone else needs to learn how to lead as well. Um, well, 
Jeff, I want to thank you for being on my podcast today, and uh, I want to thank you and, uh, and uh, you know Cleveland. I didn't know much about Cleveland, and I doing a little background research and a very impressive company, um, especially uh, considering it it started forty years ago and and uh, it's where it is today. I mean that's that's really significant. Um, most companies don't do that. In fact, 95% of companies don't make it past 15 years. So that's significant. And as I do with all my guests, I always give you a chance to give you the last word. Well, Scott, I uh, certainly appreciate the time today. It's been a pleasure uh, talking. This is this is my fir first podcast. I, I've done some panels at various conferences, but but not a podcast. And uh, I've been listening to them a lot lately. There's there's a couple different in our industry, and including yours, and it's it's been fantastic to just hear other other people's insight. Uh, you know, there's no two stories alike. Everyone has different backgrounds, different thought processes, and uh, you know, we live in a very industry industry interesting industry and challenging uh, nonetheless with with current conditions and and you know quickly shifting to to certain sectors growing and certain regions growing. It's uh, you know. It's very exciting, and I certainly appreciate the invitation to come aboard and, and to talk a little bit about myself and our company. Great guests, great podcasts. Join us next week for Connex.